This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. We welcome you to our latest podcast, and this for me is a very special one. It is six years to the day since the passing of uh, really one of the most important individuals that the Rays have had in their franchise's history, and that is Don Zimmer. And every year since, uh, we have marked his legacy by sitting down with Soot Zimmer. Obviously, this year, the circumstances are quite different as we're in the midst of a pandemic. So we've got Soot Zimmer via Zoom and also her son, Tom, who has worked now 50 years in the game and retiring this year. So I thank both of you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Can you, does it feel for each of you like six years or has it passed slower, quicker? How would you describe the time? Fast. I can't, they say the older you get, the faster time goes, but I talk to everybody and they say everything goes fast now. We've got so much going on all the time with the social media and what have you. Definitely, it is, doesn't seem like six years. Tom? Yeah, I mean, time, <clears throat> time has gone by fast, obviously. Um, you know, I, I, I wish you could have seen a couple more years uh, go by, but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to believe six years have gone by already, yeah, no doubt about it. What comes to mind for each of you? What are the things that stick in your mind um, with, with Don? Well, I wonder what he would think about everything that's going on today, <laughs> starting with the, the cheating that happened a year or so ago, and now the pandemic, and now the, you know, the protests and everything. It is a different era, and I just wonder how he would react to all this. Tom? Well, we, uh, we used to have all kinds of discussions in, the, uh, in his place all the time and argue back and forth. So, uh, yeah, this would have been uh, this would have been something else because we still don't know what these changes are going to be, and and actually the the pandemic itself uh, caused me to go ahead and retire, uh, you know, which would have been mid season instead of the end of the year, and that was all due just to the fact that travel was going to be probably disrupted. I don't think they're going to let scouts in the ballpark yet, so. I'm going, what the heck am I waiting around for? We just sat for three months. Might as well go ahead and just call it quits. Because, you know, I didn't know what they were going to do with extending the season. I had plans in November and stuff like that. So, you know, and who knows what the plans are. If you had a cruise or anything else, that might not happen either. So, Did you initially – how much of your dad's influence was you getting into the game to begin with? Because, I mean, you think about it. He spent 66 years in the game. You spent well, 50, I mean, it's amazing. Well, you, you, you basically, you grew up in the game around other kids' children who, you know, you grew up with that uh, we were all uh, kids of baseball players. So uh, I don't think it's any different than uh, actors whose kids become actors and so forth and so doctors whose kids become doctors. Um, 
I mean, you got to like the sports you're playing and everything. And I played the same three major sports that my dad would have played in all through high school. And I, you know, I, I was the best at going anywhere to further a career was in baseball versus football, but we both had chances to play football in college. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a matter of, you know, you have to go want to be a baseball player and put in the time. So, I mean, I had some natural instincts to do that. And I was asked to be a manager at a very young age because I, I probably knew more. Well, I know I knew more than my high school coaches did when I was in high school. They just let me kind of like run the show because, you know, they, they were new coaches at the time. They didn't know, you know, how to do the fundamentals the right way. So I would just whisper to them on what we're supposed to be doing. And that's, you know, that's because I grew up around the game. Fed, how do you see uh, Don and Tom and how, how much of their personalities are similar and different? Oh, well, talk about much. He's got a picture right above here of Don hitting with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And I look at it and I said, that's your face up there. <laughs> they look, they're starting to look alike. But, um, well, our whole life was baseball, you know, and Tom was right here with us growing up. And then we followed him with his career. and what have you. So it's been a great life. And I hope it starts up soon. <laughs> I really miss it. <laughs> Can you imagine how Don would deal with the pandemic? I mean, I couldn't imagine him being stuck in a house. Um, so to speak. No, I can't. No, I can't either. And uh, what are you going to do? They tell us to stay in. So we've stayed in. I mean, you're gradually getting out, but uh, I'm just hoping baseball will start up. But I I'm beginning to wonder, you know. It would have it would have forced him to learn the computer to watch the horse racing on the computer because there would have been no Derby Lane to go to. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know they recently opened up a little bit, and yeah, but but yeah, yeah. you know, your entertainment had to be come from a different form. So I mean, we've all been bored. We've watched every movie there is. <laughs> You know, and, and Talk I mean, about movies, and yes. you got to realize now he only watched sports and the news. So he, he, he never watched any movies or any TV runs of, you know, certain shows. So the sports have been gone unless you want to watch just all old time, you know, stories and things like that. So it would have been, would have been rough. You know, during this period, I think a lot of us have gotten a little bit nostalgic. And uh, in fact, I've had a lot of recent conversations with some of the Rays in 08. Um, one of them was Johnny Gomes I recently spoke with. And I asked him, other than that season, what were your best memories? And he, with, you know, unsolicited said my conversations with Don and my ability to learn about the game and just be able to have a talk with him. What does that mean to hear that um, this many years later? Because this is the guy who spent... 13 years in the game at the big league level. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I mean, I, I saw Johnny Gomes from the time he signed and did reports on the guy because I've always had the Rays organization to do their players from top to bottom. But my dad always connected with some of the characters, and we'll call Johnny one of the characters. Okay, so he was one of the characters of the Rays at the time. And, and so my dad always connected – with those kind of guys, and they always migrated to him for everything. 
So, I mean, that's just the way his connection was to, to players. Sut, what does that mean to you? <laughs> All I know is he had a lot of stories to tell, and he, he did draw the crowds. If it's the players or the coaches or what have you, he was always, because he was in the game so long. And it seemed like he was always in the right place at the right time. He saw so many important things happen in baseball. I always joked that it was almost like he led a Forrest Gump type life because he always seemed right. to. Yes, he did. You, you got to realize that, that when he was with the Yankees and they won the championships and they would go to you know, to see the president and go to the White House, you know, like everybody does. These other top dogs in the White House, you know, from, from press secretaries to everybody, they would come and want to talk to him versus Joe Torrey and some of the stars. They would come and because he would talk to them like a regular Joe and tell them, and they wanted to hear the stories. And so that's the reason why movie star people that would come sit on the benches and all the different places he was at, they came and sat with him because half the time he didn't know who you were because he didn't watch any movies or anything. And so he talked to you like a regular Joe and they were like enthralled with that because they, all the other ones were staying away from him because they were like afraid to talk to him. Really, that's the way it was. I'll tell you, after 9-11, the Yankees went to the Pentagon. They must have been playing in Baltimore or something. But they went to the Pentagon, and just the coaches, not the whole team. And they were going to be introduced to generals and everything. And Don went up to this one general, and he put his hand out to, you know, to introduce himself. See, you don't have to introduce me. I'm from Chicago. I know who you are. I mean, yeah. you know, it's funny. I know. They just knew the face. They knew yeah, the face of New York. If you went to Boston, if you went to Chicago, as soon as you'd walk out on the street with him, they'd start to come. <laughs> and, and they just wanted to talk, you know. And he was always good to everybody. So that was, that was the thing that drew everybody to him. But he, he just had the face. They recognized the face. And, yes, I kind of have the face, but I'm not trying to go all the way. <laughs> Do each of you have a favorite story or two that he liked to tell or a favorite story or two about him that, that kind of captures his persona or his, who he is? Well, I'm going to tell you a story. When we were with the Yankees and it was after one of the World Series and we were going to go to the parade and we're down in Battery Park, and they had a big tent pitched, and all the players and family and dignitaries, and there were a lot of dignitaries. Mr. Steinbrenner would invite a lot of people that he, well, anyway, for the parade. Don and I are standing there, and I looked over, and there was Donald Trump. Little did we know he was going to be president someday, but anyway, he's all by himself, and I said to Don, let's go over and talk to him. I felt sorry for him because he's standing there all by himself. So we go over in the same thing. He starts to put his hand out and he says, I know who you are. <laughs> but anyway, to me, I think of that now. Little did we know that someday he was going to be the president. But then again, Don did meet a few presidents because when you're on a World Series team, you get invited to the White House. Yep. That's one of the perks. How about you, Tom? Yeah, well, I always like the story of uh, uh, the night 
uh, in the world's first game of World Series, um, when he got hit in the head with the line drive that went in the dugout. Okay, so the story was he always told, you know, they sat together with Joe Torre, Stoudemire, and my dad. They, it's like the three, three amigos right there. So the camera's always on these guys. It was unbelievable how much camera time they had. But he always t- would tell Joe, you know, this is before they put the fence up. But foul ball comes over here. Make sure you stop it, you know, because your reactions are better than he's got big hands. So Nabla check swing, whatever he did, the ball went flying straight in, and it looked like a hitting flush. It grazed him, but at the time, he went down. He was down on the ground. It looked like Joe was going to start crying. It was unbelievable. And, and then, you know, everything after that that took place from he was fine, he came back out, you know, and he had the big ice pack on everything. And so <clears throat> the next day, two fans put together an Army helmet with an NY and his number and name on the back, just got it at an Army surplus place. And they had it sent to the clubhouse. And, the, and the, you know, my dad thought Jeter, you know, his buddy Jeter, and, you know, he thought one of those guys put it, you know, put him up to this. Well, no one said anything. He said, no, we didn't do it. He even asked Steinbrenner. He said, I didn't do it either. So he found out that two fans later on, he found out two fans sent this. So now when, before the game started, they wanted him to wear the helmet. And Steinbrenner even said, hey, show me something and wear the helmet out there, you know, to start the game. He didn't want to wear it because he didn't want to embarrass Knobloch, who was going to lead off the game again. So he went to Chuck and said, listen, is it all right if I put this on, you know, in just the first half? And he said, oh, yeah, put it on. It'll be great. We put that helmet on, and I'm telling you, that went coast to coast. And that's been the picture of with the helmet on that everybody wants, 8 by 10 Everybody wants this picture. And it's on his book. That picture's on his book with the helmet on. So he looks like Patton, you know. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that's the story that was the greatest because then they won the World Series and he wore the helmet. By then, those guys that sent him the first helmet told him who they were and they sent him a newer, better one. He's got two helmets. So the better one, you know, was a little nicer and whatever. Same thing, name and number on the back, NY on the front, stenciled, and he wore it in the parade. Well, they went, they went absolutely crazy in the parade. Absolutely crazy. And that's the picture everybody wants. He and I was, still have the helmet. <laughs> do. That's oh, all. Yeah. yeah, we've got the. <laughs> You're right on the trophy case, yeah. yeah. He was so beloved by so many. I mean, people forget that he spent time in 14 different organizations, but it was the Rays that he spent the longest period in. What did that mean to him? Well, I didn't realize he was with 14 other teams, or with 14 teams, until Dwayne Statz did it in in his eulogy. And and just today I looked again at all those different teams, but to be here at the end and to be at home, all those years we had to get a place to live. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, they, they, we weren't in that category of the millionaires where you have a home here and a condo there. And this, you know, this was our home and we always rented. And I thought, wonderful. And, th- and then I didn't realize that he was here again with, without 
Dwayne Stott saying he was here longer than any place. But that was a nice way, if you have to say it that way, to end it, to end up here. And the Rays were so great to him and here, to me. Here, here's the thing. Here's the stat you want to throw out there. There's nobody that wore more numbers in baseball <laughs> by far than him. Because you got to realize – he wore his numbers that he got from the big league starting with 23, you know, in all the different years as a coach, manager, and player. When he got to the Yankees is when he started wearing from his 48th year in baseball, he started going up a year. So year 49, then 50, 51, he had to, he had to skip 51 one year because it was Bernie's number, 52, 50. So he went all the way. And so Westy, kept that tradition when Westy was the clubhouse man. He kept that tradition, and that's how he got to number 66. So he was going by the years in the game. And, you know, I mean, how many people wear that many numbers? It's just not, <laughs> not that many. So that's like, he, I think he beat everybody on that call right there. Tom, did he talk a lot to you about what it meant to be home, so to speak, in his, in his later years? Oh, well, I mean, there's no doubt about it. He didn't have to say it. It probably kept him alive three or four more extra years, without a doubt. And I mean, you know, I mean, he he was doing dialysis and stuff like that. And he would he would go to dialysis and he was 20, 30 years older than a lot of people that were in there. And he would drive himself to dialysis and drive from there to the ballpark. And the people would see him doing that and they couldn't believe it. It was like he was like a God to them because they were all weak in the wheelchair and he was driving himself after the four hours of dialysis to the ballpark, which yes. was unbelievable. The doctors it was right down the street. Yeah. They, they couldn't believe it because they said we have 40 years. Of course, you got to realize everybody's affected by this differently, but he's, they said we have 40 year olds that have to go home and take a nap. Yeah. And here you are getting in the car and driving to the ballpark. This is when the team would be in town, you know, of course. But uh, and of course, and they gathered around him, and he would talk to them the whole time. Yeah, they they some of the, some of the people there I knew that were you know in my age bracket they were there, and they were, you know they had their problems with alcohol, alcohols, and different things like that. But in other words, they they were doing dialysis, so they would sit around and talk to the pops. Well, yeah. they had you know it was better than watching the TV. So I mean, he was doing that and driving himself there and back. Yeah, oh, and. I and I know when he came to the ballpark, whether it was Evan, whether it was whoever, they, the moment they saw him there, they came right to him. It was, yeah. You know, speaking, and, of, speaking of Evan, I'm surprised you said that. They were good friends, and yeah. Evan is still my friend. We text back and forth once in a while. Yeah, he's he, a very good friend of Don. You thought the world of him. I don't think there's any question about that. And, you know, the neat thing is, too, is that Don is remembered in so many ways still. You know, he's the MVP of the team is named after Don here in Tampa Bay. And the clubhouse still has, you know, signs that are tied to him here in, in Port Charlotte. And the Clearwater for Youth Award is tied right. to him. Does, how, how important are each of those to, to maintain that legacy in some way? Well, well, it's 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 flattering to have a, yeah. your name out there in any capacity like that, right. you know. And he was he, well he, to think that they even retired his number was very yeah, nice. I mean, yeah, that's, that, that that's was big. Yeah, that's big. So. Yeah. 
I mean, the only numbers that are retired in the franchise's history, and I think this is special too, it's, it's Wade Boggs is still the only player, and Jackie Robinson. That's right? everybody, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is everybody, and it's kind of unique that the only player or the only individual who wasn't on the field with the Rays is Don. Yes, yeah. yes. And it's a good number. Route 66, we were on that all the time going to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he had, um, I mean, such a tie to Jackie, too, which I think is neat. That of the, I, I, and, and I'm sure he is, I don't know what his rapport was with Wade, but it's the two people that are in the hall he does have some ties to. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you a story about Jackie. In 1947, when Don was in high school, he was on American League team that were national champs. And they won it out in Hollywood, California. Now, this is before there was West Coast, you know, Major League Baseball. One of the presents they got was to go to a World Series game. It was 1947, the Yankees and the Dodgers. There is Don as a young 16-year-old <clears throat> sitting up in the bleachers or wherever they put him. And he's watching the, the Dodgers and Yankees. And he ended up being with the Dodgers. And that was uh, Jackie Robinson's first year, 47. And playing with Jackie and then later being with the Yankees. Now, I thought that was phenomenal. That he was there as a kid, never dreaming that someday he'd be with both clubs. Yes. And I remember walking at Dodger Town in spring training games from the field back to the old clubhouse. You had to walk down like a you know, path road there between all the fields and everything with Jackie Robinson and the players. I can remember that as a kid walking alongside him. You think everybody was so big back then. He was a big man, but I mean, he, you know, back then that was like, wow, those were times, man. How much did that relationship mean to Don, the relationship he had with Jackie, because I know they played golf in the off season. It wasn't, it wasn't just on. I, I have got a picture in our foyer of he and, and Jackie playing golf. And when Jackie finally retired and went to work for Chuck Full of Nuts, he called Don in the winter because he was going to be sent down on business to Tampa. And he called Don and he said, set up a golf game. Don was so thrilled that he, you know, they were friends and everything, that he would call him and do that. He, <laughs> so there's that picture in our foyer. He, they're, you know, you know, playing golf. And it's, you know, he was thrilled. And he was thrilled to call Jackie his friend, right? Tom, what did, what did you remember? Well, I mean, you take everything into context here with what's going on, with all our problems we have right now. I mean, my dad and Pee Wee Reese and guys all treated Jackie Robinson as one of the guys. And this was a tough era. Uh, the South was still very, very segregated. Everything was, you know, and I mean, in spring training to think when you tell young black players that the, the, the white guy stayed over here and the black guy stayed in homes around town in St. Pete, you know, like the great Yankee players, Elston Howard, they, they, didn't, they couldn't even go to the hotel back then. I mean, when you tell people that they can't hurt, young guys don't, they don't even realize it. You know, they don't realize what this was like. But I mean, my dad had stories where he went somewhere and, you know, might've been three of them. And one guy was a black player and they'd sit down to go eat somewhere. And, and the, the owner would come out and say, we, we can't serve him. And my dad would just go ballistic because he, well, we'll never come back here again. But see, that's, 
that's what was happening in that era. Especially, you know, in the early 60s and late 50s. I mean, that's just the way it was. He was well ahead of his time then in terms of... Well, I, mean, I mean, he treated everybody the same. So, you know, I think most of the players on teams, you heard the stories from way back when, when they first integrated. There were some, you know, really bad instances. But for the most part, players accepted each other from the get-go in all sports. You know, it's just that... In time, you know, it, it, it passed, and, and you don't think anything of it now. But, you know, when you see these uprisings and different things that have happened, and it brings all those bad things back again. So you, you, touch, you, you touch on the good, though, of your dad and the way he treated people. What, what for each of you, what do you want Don's, or what do you think Don's legacy is and should be for people who didn't know who he was or what he was about. Well, you know, I just was looking at one of his books and at the very last chapter in the last paragraph, they had a, uh, they roasted him one time up at a Mohegan Sun Casino towards the end of his life. And he said, after the thing was over, he said, some people thought, who is this guy, Don? You know, he wasn't a, a superstar. And he said, I was just a Humpty baseball player it was lucky to be in the game all these years and meet all these people that I met. I mean, he loved it and he lived it for six, he lived it his whole life. Yeah. Yep. And he was, you know, he was proud and to who he met and who he played with and where he played. And we've been on a few clubs, <laughs> you name them, we've been there. <laughs> your, your, your biggest thing that the new era is kind of leaving out all the time and kind of, makes us all mad, the older guys and scouting and stuff, is instincts. If anybody had instincts for the game, it was him. And, and that's what these other people realize. He didn't look at papers and he didn't look at stats. He didn't look at anything. He didn't use a stopwatch. He did it by watching and then making a call on just pure instincts of what he thought how the game was evolving during a game. So that makes you a good manager, coach, whatever. And it makes you a better player. If you're not overly gifted in tools, you could make up for things by having good instincts. So, I mean, that's kind of being pushed to the side with the new era and everything and, and all the stat stuff and the numbers. They're going by the numbers to even pay players, really. I mean, it goes by your numbers against each other's, your peers in your, your level. So, it, you know, there's something to be said about instincts and makeup. So you can't, you can't buy that. You can't manufacture that. You either got it or you don't. And to me, it's God given to play the game because your arm wasn't made to throw. Uh, you weren't made to hit a round ball with a round bat. You, you, you basically, you're going to kind of see it in a kid from the time he's young, he can play. And if that keeps evolving, then he's a player. And another kid that just could never do that. It's not going to be a player. I don't care what he tries to do. He's not gifted enough to play this game. Simple as that. I do think that being here with the Rays, I think they have valued makeup and, and chemistry in a group as much as anyone. And I really think it started when, you know, when 
um, the ownership came in and, and Joe came in and Don came in. And I think it's kind of stayed. I do think that's probably one of the staples of, of what Don meant to that organization is the importance of togetherness. Right. And, and, and Joe knew when Joe came, the main thing Joe did with my dad was, is when he was having a problem with a player, whether it be, you know, the guy not hustling enough or whatever, he, he'd ask my dad, you know, before early during BP standing with the guy in the outfield or whatever to go talk to him. And that's the reason why he had relationships with so many of these younger players. He would, he was the guy that they would send, Hey, you need to go talk to this guy. This guy's got to get his act straightened out. And you know, the players we're talking about over the years that would, and so that player is the one that would basically mention him, whether it be Gomes or whoever, that's the player that, that that's why they would say his name right from the get go. That's exactly why. You know, what, so to, to try and close this, what do you think Don would say about Tom spending a half century in the game? Because I can't imagine many father sons who each had at least 50 years in baseball. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Boons did. I'm not quite sure if, if they reached that plateau, but I can't think off the top of my head of many that had a father son that each spent at least 50 years in the game. Same thing he would say for, for himself. We were very, very lucky. Yes, and I think the, he'd be very proud about it. Too. The, the big thing is, is, is being very lucky that after playing and managing some years, I got to stay 40 straight with one club. It's unheard of. That's, that's my only record maybe right now, unless somebody breaks as a scout, <laughs> is to have 40 straight with one club. It's just, you know, I went through multiple owners, multiple GMs, and many scouting directors. And I stayed on and the others didn't, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know. You know, I, I somebody must've liked you, you know what I mean? Whatever. <laughs> well, you both must've had some people skills because you don't yeah. stay in the game for 112 years combined without them. Right. Well, hopefully that's what it was, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, you both have some people skills and it's great to reminisce with both of you about Don. I hope next year we can do it in person <laughs> instead yeah. of over Zoom. Let's hope yeah. that, God willing, that, that everything continues to improve and, and we're, we're moving a whole lot more forward. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, hopefully things can get back on track with everything that's going on right now. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, football and everything, I don't know how they're gonna do all this stuff. Baseball, we're a little bit apart, right? But football and basketball and hockey, you're on top of each other. You know, literally. So yeah. I don't know how they're going to do all this stuff if they're trying to say you got to stay apart. I mean, so it's this is this is going to be really tough for a while, and it's affecting. It trickles down from the major leagues to college to high school, all the way down. It's going to trickle down all the way to little league. Well, let's it's hope for better, let's hope for better days ahead. And yeah, I see much appreciate your time and the chance to to chat about Don and his legacy. Right. Thank you so much. Hey. Okay, thank, thank you for you. having us on. Okay. Thank you. And we hope you enjoyed this, and we'll have more podcasts coming soon. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll chat with you sooner than later. <laughs>